to another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. This will be the first off-season episode. Uh, what a mess this 2020 season has been. We are, I think, all glad to come together and talk off-season because there needs to be a host of changes, some of which we'll talk about uh, this evening. But fellas, happy new year to you. Glad we could all get together, uh, kind of end of the week here and, and talk some Eagles. Yeah, happy new year. Um, looking forward to uh, a better season ahead for the birds. Oh yeah. Happy 2021. Off to a rough start though, but uh, hoping for a little distraction here tonight. Here tonight. And I think the playoffs this weekend, Mike will help. Yes. The Eagles aren't in it, but still a lot of good matchups to watch this weekend. Yeah. And, and really, I, I think uh, it's been probably going back to Andy's last year, 2012, um, when we had a season quite like this. Um, I think, I believe they were forward and, 12 that year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but either way, uh, a global disappointment for a multitude of reasons. But a place we wanted to start tonight in discussing it is the most important position on the field at quarterback. So the Eagles are clearly in a, a dilemma um, in that they have invested heavily in Carson Wentz financially. Uh, he's owed $34 million, something like that. And we're not going to talk as much numbers tonight. But either way, they've invested heavily in him uh, with a big contract. And he comes out this year and is the worst quarterback in the league. And in fact, uh, and I had sent this in a group text to the boys, but uh, he was still the worst quarterback in the league at the end of the year. And he hadn't played in almost a month. So uh, just really uh, probably historical regression, I would think for a quarterback. And in the five year span that we've seen him play, um, this was just an awful year, uh, complete with everything opposite of what I grew to like about Carson Wentz when he was playing well, so we're going to set it around the horn uh, in just a second here, but to bring up the fact that Jalen Hurts came in uh, and sort of provided a spark to the team, at least uh, I would say in the New Orleans and the Arizona games, unfortunately, uh, you know, he wasn't overly successful in terms of the record uh, and to finish out the season against uh, a good Washington defense, um, you know, that has to be said, but really had a poor showing, I think went something like seven for 20 throwing the ball. Um, so We've seen Jalen Hurts run. We've seen him throw really well. We've seen him come in and give a team that seemed lifeless a big uh, boost when they needed it. Uh, and we have seen some good things from him, but in a small sample size. So I'm going to send it around the horn. I'll, I'll sort of end this one up. But um, Andrew, why don't we start with you? I know this is a passionate topic for you. Uh, if you're moving forward, just based on what we know now, lots of things can change between now and then. And obviously the contracts are, are always going to be a factor, but um who are you moving forward with, Carson or Jalen? Um, who, who do I think or who do I want? Um, I, I think it's got to be Carson still. Um, as much as I am frustrated with the situation and, and it's hard to, to see through all the smoke of the stories and reports coming out, especially the last two, three weeks and, um, you know, this back and forth and, um, it's just a lot of BS, but I think at the end of the day, what Carson showed you in 17 and 18, um, you want that quarterback back. Jalen showed some, some things. Um, he was fun. Um, he has talent for sure, but he's not ready to step up in, in the starting role. I don't think, I don't think he showed enough. Um, he had, you know, some really dynamic games against um, the Cardinals and the Cowboys, a lot of yards, um, some touchdowns, some flashy plays. Um, he definitely hit a lot of the, um, the uh, what am I looking for? The pain points on offense that we usually go through, you know, the, the wide receiver routes and um, the play calling, things like that. I think he hit some of that, but then, you know, that last game was, you know, <laughs> pretty atrocious. Um, look, I said this to you guys um, 
we've invested as fans, as a franchise, a lot into Carson Wentz. We traded up for him. Um, we traded away Nick Foles after he won the Super Bowl because we had faith in Wentz. Um, we signed him to this monster contract. Like we have done nothing but support Carson Wentz. And it frustrates me to no end that he didn't step up this year. He didn't take on the challenge. I'm sure he was frustrated by the Jalen Hurts pick. We were all, I think, confused by it, but we didn't think and expect this reaction, this regression from Carson, um, that it was totally unacceptable. And then his behavior, honestly, at least in the report, the reports that come out has been unacceptable. That is not a leader. That is someone who got overwhelmed by the situation and, you know, failed. Um, I'm hoping that it was, it just got ahead of him. He got overwhelmed, but I'm hoping that the last few weeks where he's been able to sit on the bench and kind of look and explore um, while that story is not being told and not being reported, I'm hoping that during the off season, he's the guy that we wind up with, to be honest with you. Cause I think how, I think how he's here. I think Doug's here. I think they bring in some pieces, but I think the nucleus is intact. And I think part of that nucleus is Carson Wentz. So as much as he's frustrating, I think that's the guy that has to take the reins um, or at least be given the chance to. Maddie. So you made a really good distinction though, Andrew, there between should at, like what should the Eagles do versus what you want them to do. Do you feel that Wentz is sort of is a meeting point there or is it, are you more basing it on what you think they should do? Because um, from a fan perspective, you have some ownership over like, you know, that your own thought process. So yeah, no, that's I, fair. I, I think, I think they should do that. And honestly, at the end of the day, I want them to do that because at right. this point I can't say that I want them to do, to, to move on with, to move forward with hearts more so than Carson. So understood. It's a great distinction to make that Matt, I think you uh, wanted to go next. Yeah. And I'm going to agree with Andrew, but for some different reasons, uh, I mean, you did bring it up contractually. It, it, it's a money game where we're contractually obligated to this guy and outside of maybe the Colts, there's nowhere Carson can go in this league. Uh, nobody else, nobody's going to take on that, that money. Uh, Chris, I see you shaking your head and yeah, I'm sure he can land some other places, but Eagles are going to take a haircut and a large haircut at that. And as far as the hurts go, yeah, it was exciting play. Uh, those last four games, but we still went one in three and you know, I, I think what we saw is a mobile quarterback in a uh, bad offensive scheme and a, a broken offensive scheme because a lot of players were still hurt. Um, I, I think because of uh, Hertz's mobility, it really made him shine um, in a pretty bad offense. And I think the, the fans had seen such awful performances week after week that it was so refreshing that we, we may think that Hertz is better than he is, but the sample size at the end of the day is way too small to make that uh, decision. Um, and, you, you know, he, he did show some flashes there, but I'm looking at the numbers now and nothing really spectacular. He's over a hundred percent passer rating in the Arizona game. Um, you got to throw out the Washington game because I guess he didn't play the entire game. And you have two other games where he's 83% uh, passer rating and 70% passer rating against Dallas. Uh, so it was great. And it was uh, as a fan to see that happen. But I, I, I just think we need to see more from Hertz before we can say, okay, Carson, you're done. Hertz is the future because I, I don't think we can make that determination at this time. And I just want to circle back to Andrew real quick, um, questioning uh, Wentz's attitude down the stretch here. Um, I, can you elaborate on that? Because I, I did not see what you saw. And I, I saw Wentz that was down on himself, but you know was there on the sideline talking to Hertz. He seemed to be in the, in the, uh, in the game. Uh, you saw him on the sidelines. I, I really think that the media uh, 
played a huge role in the last few weeks. Um, and I'm not buying into everything that the media has told us. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, a, a lot of the interpretation comes from the reports that come out, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And there was way too many reports that came out that he wanted out. He wanted to trade. Like those things don't just leak out um, maybe once, but there was, you know, multiple stories, multiple reports on that. Um, I think my, my reaction to his uh, or my opinion about his behavior is more so what we saw all year, which was uh, not stepping up, um, drastic regression and seemingly bothered or um, uh, perturbed by the fact that he had somebody like that they drafted a quarterback. Um, that's kind of the root as to why I feel like he did not step up more so than the, than these reports that came out after. And that's a fair point. I mean, Green Bay drafted a, a quarterback and Aaron Rodgers goes on to have an MVP season. Hold on um, though. Hold on though. He's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He is Aaron Rodgers, but Carson Wentz was a one-time MVP candidate. Uh, so yeah, it, yeah it, it's, it's a, uh, tough comparison to make, but uh, you don't know how much Hurts dogged him. I, I think what it really dogged him about uh, Hurts was not getting an offensive lineman or an offensive weapon when he needed one, and we saw that all throughout the year. Yeah, and I'll just step in here because um, I don't think there's really anything to add in terms of points. I think you guys hit all the talking points um, that make sense for Wentz to stay. I'll just address what Chris was asking Andrew earlier, like as a fan, what do I want to see? And personally, what I want to see is Wentz to get right. Like Matt was just saying, I really do admire Carson's behavior after he's been benched. He's been, you know, praised by his coaches. You see him very engaged on the sideline. Um, Overall, I think Carson is a guy that I really like to root for because he's he just seems like a really good guy. He's one of the first players uh, at the beginning of the season to come out in support of Black Lives Matter. He took, you know, he's got a lot of leadership off the field, um, certainly gives back to his community. I'd like to see that guy get it right. Um, and for all the other points that we mentioned, you know, his proven pedigree if he can get it back to his old self, we know that formula wins. So let's get back there and, you know, ride with Carson, but we got to get that ship right. Yeah. I'm right there with Mike. I think everyone's made a bunch of really good points here. Uh, and, and that is what I would want as well. I think they're at a point where uh, we are as fans, I should say at a point where we've seen five years out of Carson Wentz and this year was bad. There's no way around it. As I mentioned, his numbers were, uh, especially the interceptions, that, that really blew my mind this year. Just certain times where um, he was just, it seemed like throwing the ball to the other team. And by the same token, uh, not knowing when to get rid of the ball. Those are things that were really troubling. Uh, I have to think that that guy is still in there. The guy from uh, the first three games of 2016, he lit the league on fire his, his rookie year. And then obviously 2017 before his injury. Um, but I do think the injuries have taken their toll. I don't think he's as mobile. I think uh, the O-line injuries, um, Miles Sanders being injured a couple of the games this year, I think Wentz played in 12 games and uh, had 11 different offensive lines in front of him uh, doing so. So I think we've all seen Carson Wentz make great plays. The one play I think of this year that really sticks out to me, if, if there's anything he can hang his hat on, is him throwing that corner ball to uh, Boston Scott against the Giants uh, in one of the Eagles' four wins. It's so sad. But it's it's the truth in terms of what Wentz is capable of. You know, I think about that play last year to Sanders in the end zone where he just throws a fastball to the back of the end zone between all kinds of hands and bodies and everything else and is able to complete it. So I think that guy is still in there. I don't think he's as mobile. And I think that's something that moving on, I, I hope that he can sort of find his way back to being a little bit more of a threat uh, because transitioning to Hertz, that's something that was really exciting about watching Hertz play is that he could take off. Um, he was decisive. He's not the best thrower, but he was hitting a lot of spots when he was on uh, his overall completion percentage in that in those four games, I think is somewhere around 53, if I'm not mistaken. So really not great. Um, 
It is a small sample size, but here's something I wanted to sort of spin to you guys. It, it's a small sample size to us, um, mortgaging a future or sort of thinking about our long-term. I wonder if it's too small a sample size for another team like a New England Patriots um, who tried to bring in, you know, Cam Newton, things didn't work out. Um, and that Belichick could look at that and say, I can do something with this kid. I can make something happen here. Um, there's a lot of talk about Carson Wentz potentially being on the move. I think there's a, a likelihood that another team has seen enough from Jalen Hurts to want to pull the trigger on him. I don't know what team it would be. New England was just the first that sprung to mind. I think not in body type, but in play style, I think Hurts can offer a sort of Cam Newton-esque presence. Um, and if that's the sort of thing a team is looking for and they feel like based on what they saw, they can sort of mold him um, because it is such a small sample size, but his pedigree going to two of the best college programs in the country and having success, uh, you can't argue with it. So I like what I saw from Jalen Hurts. It was exciting to see such a mobile quarterback in a league that has people like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. But um, I don't think I don't think moving forward, I would build the team around Jalen Hurts. And it is too small a sample size to say that, but that is all we have to go on. However, I'll just repeat, I think other teams may have felt like they've seen enough and may be willing to give something to acquire Hurts. So uh, we're all in agreement seemingly about Wentz. I don't know if any of you have feelings about that idea of other teams looking at this four game stretch and saying, you know what, he, he didn't, he only won the one game, but he showed out, you know, he, he showed up when the team was nearly dead. What do you got, Matt? Mike's off. Other teams are definitely looking at uh, Jalen Hurts and what he did and what he could potentially do and his success in college because he's such a young player. But they better offer a uh, – big package to the the eagles because why on, on earth would the eagles get rid of a backup quarterback on a rookie contract that you know had some success as a starter uh especially with a uh injury prone uh wentz it, it i mean that that's fantastic the the situation that we have right now we we have have wentz who has performed well in the past and if he does go down or he's not working we have a capable backup and there's few teams that have a one-two punch like that mike yeah i was just gonna say it crossed my mind as you mentioned big you know how good of a backup hurts you know could be that's a valuable asset to have on your team random question is any part of what doug peterson putting sudfeld in in the fourth quarter looking to see is this guy good enough to actually be our backup can he go win this game if he can maybe we feel more comfortable getting rid of hurts i don't know what what more you can learn about nate sudfeld man i mean he's been on the team <laughs> i feel like you know and, and that is to say like we we do need to figure out what he is but by the same token he's been on the team just sort of hanging around i feel like every year he's playing this clipboard you know kind of role and the the last quarter or the whatever it wound up being of the last meaningless season of the game. That's, that's not where you're going to see it against that defensive line. It, yeah. it just, I think it just raises the question of, you know, how good of a backup actually is he, how comfortable are the Eagles, you know, with having him in, well, you know, if they were to eventually trade hurts. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not comfortable, Mike, that, that was such a ploy. They wanted to throw the game, and that's that's the way that they threw the game. Now, that's not Suddy's fault, as Kelsey refers to him as. Uh, but And he had nothing to do with that. But that was uh, Peterson almost using Sudfeld as a scapegoat to throw that game. And that's that's for a different time and place. I, I know we don't want to go on to that, but I yeah, think Sudfeld – I yeah. think Sudfeld is great at what he does. Third string uh, quarterback. That's all that we need from him. And he can continue to be in that place. So then, yeah, I guess it's fair to say the package for Hertz, if he was to be traded, should be significant because the Eagles would be in the market for a new backup quarterback. They're Correct. Full. Yeah. I, well, I would say this was a yeah. contract year for, for Nate Sudfeld. So um, maybe there was some incentive based. Um, <laughs> performances that he needed to, to do in that last game. And maybe, maybe Doug gave him a chance. 
Yeah, that'll that'll be a head scratcher uh, moving forward. But either way, um, uh, tank game notwithstanding, um, it it occurs to me that in their situation, they're sort of fortunate, as Matt said, to have Hertz as a backup. I don't know about this dynamic of Hertz and Wentz coexisting personally. I don't, now I don't know that there's any bad blood. I saw Wentz a bunch of times go up to him and give him a tap on the helmet, or you know, it seemed like they have some kind of a rapport. And the Eagles are in a fortunate situation to have a quarterback like Hertz, um, knowing Carson Wentz's injury history, and also for those who are you know following the draft, uh, knowing that this draft is is particularly deep at the quarterback position. So um, I just think because there's so much trade talk around uh, Carson Wentz right now, I think another team may look at, at Jalen Hurts and be willing to offer something for him and say, I can really grow this guy into something, uh, whether it's they're watching his play with the Eagles in these four games, watching his play at Oklahoma, watching his play at Alabama. Um, the guy's performed in a lot of situations. He's a coach's son. Um, he's, he's sort of a, a football guy through and through. And I feel like he has abilities that could translate in the league. And we saw that they can in the sample size that, that we watched as fans, uh, but that it's not really sustainable. Something I just want to say about Hertz as a criticism is when the plays are scripted in that first quarter, he looks great. Once the defense adjusts, he looks really rattled um, and not in a one read takeoff kind of rattled. Like, um, like he's not being, you know, really clear with his, basically everything he does well sort of goes away. It seems like in those times and he's just relying on his legs. So um, if he were to go to a system that was a little more controlled, not, um, not comparing him to golf, but someone like a Sean McVay who has total control over everything that's happening with the quarterback and the quarterback is just kind of a cog. I could see that working. Um, and there might be another team out there. So we'll, we'll definitely watch the situation with intrigue from afar and uh, either way, we're in it as fans and that's the investment that we all share, but the strong investment from the Eagles to Carson Wentz and the good play, the mostly good play we've seen in his career so far um, is enough to, to convince us as a podcast, but talking a little bit about the draft, uh, we wanted to touch on a couple of positions tonight and um, I'll be sharing some information about wide receivers. Matt looked up some information about some offensive linemen because of the Eagles um, loss on Sunday to Washington and uh, other movement with other teams, which will be toward the top of the draft order. Uh, the Eagles will be picking sixth overall uh, in the 21, uh, 2021, excuse me, NFL draft. So regardless of who the quarterback is, we do all hope it's Carson Wentz. Uh, there's going to be a need for some weapons and some protection. So I'm not sure, Matt, would you like me to start with uh, wide receivers and then we can sort of move back to O-line? Yeah, Chris, lead us off. All right. So I, I think both are considerable needs, and I think both uh, will help Carson Wentz to return to form if he's able to get them. Uh, this week, there was the news that uh, wide receiver Devontae Smith from Alabama, uh, who's 22 years old, he's six foot one and 175 pounds. Uh, he won the Heisman uh, the other night. He's the first wide receiver to win the Heisman since Desmond Howard in 1991. Over 2020 season, uh, Devontae Smith had recorded 105 receptions for uh, 1,641 yards, an average of 15.6 yards a catch, and 20 touchdowns. Uh, those are really sensational numbers. And when you watch him play, he's an exciting player. Uh, as I mentioned, he has a little bit of a thin frame, but over his career, uh, alongside other receivers who are some in the league, some just coming out along with uh, Smith, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, uh, some of these others, Henry Ruggs, that over his career, he amassed 223 receptions, 3,750 yards, averaged 6.8 yards a catch, and has 43 touchdowns. Uh, his pro comparisons from a couple different sources are uh, to throw back uh, Daniel Jeremiah, compared him to Marvin Harrison, which uh, – you know, got my attention. And the other person I've seen a couple of places, um, although I'm not able to attribute them, is Antonio Brown. Um, so this is a description I'll read you um, from, I believe this is from a site called Walter Football, which has some good draft information. If not, it's from the Draft Network. But uh, the quote here is, Smith is deadly, a dynamic weapon who has the potential to be a number one wide receiver. He has the speed to get vertical and can burn defenses deep down the field. Um, 
it was said in one description I read that cornerbacks uh, are faced with a nearly impossible task in trying to cover Devontae Smith. So I like what I see from this player. Uh, I like his play style. I like the program that he came out of. I liked how dominant he was, even with a, a core of wide receivers who are also either pros currently or future pros. But his small frame is something that I, I wonder about. And uh, even with the speed, I think Devontae Smith will probably be in the four threes. I think he'll be a guy that runs that, that fast. Um, apparently Jalen Waddle, his cohort, who's also coming out is even faster, um, but had an injury this year. So just focusing on Smith, I, I think he could absolutely add something to the Eagles. Um, and I think he's a weapon that any quarterback would benefit from having and can be used in a variety of ways. I think we, we got to see, especially uh, in the college football playoff, as it's been going on, just, just how dynamic he is and just how much he adds uh, pressure to another team's defense. So I'm not sure if anyone has anything they want to say about Smith or if I should just move right on to uh, another prospect who could be chosen at six. Yeah. Um, yeah, real quick. Do you know um, if he's had any, you know, big time injuries or, you know, what his... Uh... I actually, you know what, I foolishly did not look into his uh, injury history, um, but he, I will say he is 22. Um, so he, mm. he's a player who's a little bit older um, by comparison. When I say older, it's all relative, obviously. The other guy yes. I'm going to talk about tonight is Jamar Chase, who's only 20. Uh, but right. those two years, you know, combined with um, his body type, the way things translate in the NFL, the way that Alabama's offense sort of dominates every other defense in college football, you wonder if he'll be able to be sustainable um, and, and be able to hold up. I'll look that up in the meantime, if you have more on him. Yeah, no, I think it's um, uh, regardless, I think um, what you're saying is yes, he might be a little bit older, but that he's a four year, you know, player, um, which I think for wide receivers, you don't get a ton of that, at least dynamically. So I think from freshman year to sophomore year, junior year to senior year, you've just seen this like really nice, um, statistical and athletic uh, improvement from him. And he's been able to follow um, some great wide receivers before him. And he's had some great um, quarterbacks. So, yeah, I mean, his frame is slight, but um, I don't, from what I can tell after this quick search, I don't see a ton of like, you know, crazy injury history. I just see kind of this steady progression. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up now and I'm not really finding much in the way of, uh, in the way of injuries. I, I am seeing though that he did do some returning in college, which obviously mm -hmm. if he's used that way in the pros, uh, I don't think he would be, but if he were the used that way, he's liable for, for injury certainly. But did anybody else have a point on Devonte Smith before I talk I, a little bit about the other guy, everyone's talking about Jamar Chase. Yeah. I was just going to mention the fact that he is a four-year player coming from Alabama. These are a lot of the qualities we liked in Justin Jefferson last year. Um, coming from a big name program who's played a lot of football and has proven. I think there's something to be said to that. And, um, you know, I think that stock should be a consideration in, in choosing him. The other thing I'll say too, just as like an overarching thing in talking about the draft is I really think we need to get this pick right because the Cowboys are picking at 10 or 11 and it's very likely, likely that a player we really love falls to them. And I'd hate to see that happen. <laughs> yeah, we, we sort of witnessed that this year. I think uh, a lot of Eagles fans were hoping to, to see C.D. Lamb become an Eagle and, and obviously was taken by the Cowboys prior to. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I'll keep it quick here. Chris, I love the Mar Marvin Harrison comparison. Yeah, like Philadelphia, Philadelphia's own Hall of Famer. Uh, if, if he can have a career like him, uh, yeah, let's draft him six overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I think uh, Devontae Smith, obviously, he's – sort of uh, emerged this week having won the Heisman and, and that's such a, a great distinction, especially to be given to a wide receiver for the first time in so long. Um, but by comparison, just to put out another option um, that other people more knowledgeable than me about the draft have speculated uh, is that Jamar Chase, uh, who's a 20 year old wide receiver from LSU, who's 6'1", 200 pounds. Uh, so has just about the same height, but a little bit more meat uh, than um, Devonte Smith that, um, he decided to forego the 2020 season for COVID reasons. Uh, but in, in his 2019 season had 84 receptions for 1,780 yards. 
averaged 21.2 yards a catch and had 20 touchdowns. Just for perspective, his whole career, which was only 2018 and 2019, having foregone this year, 107 receptions, just under 2,100 yards, 19.6 average, and 23 touchdowns. So only three touchdowns his first year in 2018 and 20 uh, in was- do you know if he uh, was a uh, true freshman or a redshirt freshman? Uh, I believe he was a true freshman. I'll look that up in the meantime. Um, but his pro comparisons are very interesting. Uh, I, I, another really interesting pairing here. So one uh, more modern and then one kind of throwing back. Um, again, not sure who to attribute this to. I should really have done that uh, to make sure I give credit where it's due. But uh, one pro comparison I found compelling was uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, not quite as tall. Kenny Galladay is a little bit taller, I believe six, four. Um, but I like Kenny Galladay's game a lot. And oh, yeah. actually oh, yeah. read an article the other day about Galladay as, as being a, a big target in free agency, because apparently he really wants out of Detroit. So I see that in chase. I see that in his game. He's crafty, um, but he's fast as well. Probably not Devonte Smith fast, probably more four, 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 five. Um, maybe if he has an off day, but the other pro comparison was Anquan Bolden. So you figure you're dealing with, uh, and I've also seen, uh, I've seen some comparisons to AJ Green, some comparisons to Julio Jones. You can take comparisons for what they are. They do help me to conceptualize the player, maybe not how they'll be used on a certain team, but at least uh, what production we can expect or what sort of effect they have on defenses. Um, It's quoted here, Jamar Chase was the most dominant receiver in college football in 2019. He has burst off the line with sudden explosive speed to quickly generate separation from cornerbacks. That really stood out to me because one of the main things we saw this year, even with Jalen Rager, who does have breakneck speed, um, you know, hit whatever it was, 22 yards an hour, sorry, 22 miles an hour in that return uh, against Green Bay. He wasn't able to get open off the line uh, enough. And I think that's something that really stood out to me. I think Smith is a guy who was really running past people, um, before they even had a chance, but Jamar Chase seemed to really shake people when I watched him. Um, everybody except for Patrick Sertan, which we can talk about at another point. Um, but I, I just wanted to sort of highlight his ability to separate was something that was really praised by a lot of draft gurus. He's fast through his roots. Defensive backs uh, have a nearly impossible task of running with him, which is the same comment that was made about Devonte Smith. So one more thing uh, to touch on with Jamar Chase, and then I'll open it up. He was, this is another quote here. He was almost always facing single coverage due to the presence of Justin Jefferson on the field uh, on the opposite side and Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the backfield and the best offensive line in the country. So Jamar Chase dominated, but it was two years ago. And so I think where this leaves us and anyone's welcome to comment on Chase, but where this leaves us is both these guys are going to be good players. Uh, The question is, uh, both of them are, are expected to go in that range. Uh, six would not be unheard of. Uh, to be honest, Smith may be gone having just won the Heisman before we even get there. But this idea of a receiver who took a year off uh, for COVID reasons, which is it is what it is, uh, it's understandable. But a receiver who took a year off, I'm sure was you know exercising and doing all that stuff versus as you, uh, Andrew and Mike mentioned, a four-year player from a, a high pedigree program. Um, do we like that Jamar Chase has a little bit um, has, has taken a little less of a beating because he took this year off? Do we like that he's a little bit younger? Um, do those things play a factor, or would you rather a guy who's been working? I, I go back and forth on this, so I'm not I'm not sure who wants to start off. Andrew, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I'm actually okay with the year off, especially in just such a weird, interesting uh, climate this year. And I'm assuming he wasn't just doing nothing, right? I'm sure he was training and prepping and doing everything he needed to do to to increase his draft stock and his, you know, um, his skill when he gets to the NFL. My, uh, the guy looks amazing on tape. My only concern is, and you, you mentioned this, is he had Justin Jefferson on the outside. He had a great offensive line. Um, he had just, he had Joe Burrow thrown to him. Like, you know, he was in the most um, uh, quintessential profitable situation possible but he still delivered and delivered big so um I, I think that's my only drawback but it could also be a drawback with Smith right he comes from Alabama he's coming from a four-year program in Alabama 
you know, his, his quarterback was uh, right there next to him on the, uh, on the stage um, for the Heisman trophy. So um, I- I'm okay with the year off. Uh, I think I like Jamar Chase's um, size and potential NFL uh, transition a little bit better than Devontae Smith. But as you said, I think they're both going to be really interesting and, and dynamic players, but um Push game to shove. I, I would lean Jamar, I think. Matt. Yeah, I'm going to uh, disagree with you there. I am not okay with the year off. Uh, I I think there's there's just something different about game speed and having that. Uh, even though uh, for a couple of these teams, it was a truncated season, just being in a game, it, it makes a lot of difference. And they, they talk about that a lot at the professional level. It, it takes a guy coming off injury, uh, you know, a game or two to get up to game speed. Uh, and especially with the speed of the game being that much faster at the next level, I I do like the fact uh, that uh, Demonte Smith played this season. And I, I, I think – that will have a, a lot to say in the draft. I, I would side with Devontae Smith because of that reason. Mike? Yeah, Matt, I was going to also touch on that. I, I agree with you. I don't like that he chose to opt out, but I was very curious what his reason was. And Chris, maybe this um, was something that you discovered as well, but I just did a quick search and Essentially what I'm seeing is he opted out because um, it would increase his draft stock, like you were saying, and he had basically peaked. He didn't want to hurt his chances. He didn't want injury. Um, that's not necessarily the right. He's, he's going after the money. Um, and like Matt said, Devonte Smith did choose to play. You got to respect that. And there's something to be said about that. Um, in our next podcast, I'm going to talk about a defensive back, Caleb Farley, who also opted out, but for very different reasons, um, which I think are more understandable and is entering the draft this year. I just overall, I think if he was healthy and the only reason he opted out was to avoid injury and maintain his draft stock, something feels sour about it. And selfish. Well, I, I think, um, and I, I don't remember uh, what, what their record was, but I think LSU had kind of a down year. Did they not? Um, so, so maybe, so. maybe, maybe Jamar Chase also thought like, well, Joe, if you're going, um, I'm not quite ready yet, but I'll take the year off and, and train and, and try to um, like Andrew said, continue to work out and all, but Matt brings up a really good point. And I, I really struggle with this because I like Jamar Chase for the same reason you do, Andrew. And I, I don't think that the Eagles have a receiver uh, with that body type, um, who, who possesses that skill set um, and is kind of dominant in that, in that way. But if you're, if you're an employer and you got two guys who come to you with equal resumes, but one of them says, yeah, I've been working up until last week and now I'm about to start a, you know, I'm ready to start a new job with you as opposed to one who says, yeah, I, I haven't worked for a little while, but I think my resume kind of speaks for itself. Um, if we put it in those sort of terms, obviously it's not that simple. It doesn't always translate that way, but I think that what Mike and Matt have said is, is a pretty compelling argument to, to take a guy who's been working. Um, the one thing you have to hope if, if you're a Jamar Chase guy is that he, him being younger, him not having taken as many hits this year, uh, him having the slightly bigger size will help with his adjustments to the league. Um, he obviously comes from a school that has a, a good pedigree and he was productive uh, might have even been more so when Justin Jefferson was there. So this is not that he's the only guy. Um, and I, I think if I'm there at six, um, I'm just, I guess I'll say it this way. I, I'm not certain Devonte Smith will fall that far. I think there's a chance that Devonte Smith winds up um, maybe in Miami with Tua. Um, that would, I could see that happening. And I think him having won the Heisman puts him just out of reach for the Eagles. Maybe. Um, maybe not. We'll see how the rest of the, the draft sort of shakes out. But I, for a couple of reasons, um, I guess mostly his size and, and really his potential and also his draft stock, 
I, I think I'm leaning a little bit more toward Jamar Chase. And, and the reasons are, are really because, so we're split right down the middle. But the reason, the reason for me is really that I'm not sure Devontae Smith will be there. And I think uh, Chase probably won't run as fast, but I think his body type, his play style to me seems to translate a little bit more. Um, there's something also about Alabama receivers. I think about the way that Amari Cooper was when he was in college and then when he came out. Um, and sort of struggled uh, when he was with the Raiders, if you remember that. And, and that's not, you know, a pedigree for every Alabama receiver, but I think there's an adjustment period there and, and it could be a body type thing. It could be just how dominant Alabama is, but um, I see Jamar Chase as a player that can, can more quickly translate to uh, the NFL. So I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of put it that way. But I, having said that, if Devonte Smith goes ahead of him, who, you know, who knows what will happen. Um, uh, it's really for me mostly based on this idea that moving forward, who are the Eagles wide receivers? They're Greg Ward, who's a solid slot player, maybe Travis Fulgham, who knows if, if they can bat him, get him back from witness protection. Um, they, they have drafted Jalen Rager, who we hope can be something, but we don't have a clear picture on who he is yet. Um, you have to figure JJ Arthago Whiteside is probably gone. Um, we saw a little something from Quez Watkins, which was nice. Uh, toward the end of the season there saw a little bit from Hightower this year but they don't have anybody um, size wise who who sort of fits that mold and I think having a target like that for Wentz if Wentz is our guy uh, in Jamar Chase would be a huge benefit so I think all of us would be pleased with both receivers but at least for now those are our perspectives we're split right down the middle Mike and Matt are leaning toward Devontae Smith and Andrew and I are leaning more toward Jamar Chase but it won't matter who the receivers are if uh, there's no protection for the quarterback. So another potential position here that we could look at would be uh, offensive line. The Eagles had, I don't know, it doesn't even matter anymore, something over a dozen different offensive line uh, lineups, I should say, this year, uh, which was the result of injury and shuffling and all kinds of issues. So hopefully things stabilize um, coming up, but we don't know about the future of Jason Kelsey. Uh, Lane Johnson is older. Brandon Brooks is coming back from a significant injury. Jordan Mailata has shown us something. You still have Andre Dillard. You spent a first round draft pick on at left tackle. So still some question marks, more on the left side of the, of the line than the right. But uh, Matt did us a solid here and looked up some prospects that the Eagles might look to target with the sixth pick uh, at the O-line position. Yeah, Chris. And you did a good job summarizing the uh, Eagles depth there, but let's just dive into it a little bit further. I have uh, Malata, Sayamalu, Kelsey, Herbig, and Pryor ending the season as our starters. Now, we all like what Malata did. Um, he really came along, and I think he solidified himself as a tackle in this league. So, Thinking next season, we have Lane Johnson, we have Sal, uh, Malata, and let's not forget about Andre Dillard, our um, high draft pick, what, uh, last season, 2019. So having those three guys at tackle, I think, solidifies both ends of the uh, football. What really concerns me is our interior, um, specifically Kelsey retiring, as you said, um, and then uh, Salamalu is signed through uh, 2022, so we we do have him, and we do have Brandon Brooks coming back. Um, we all love Brandon Brooks, but he has suffered two huge injuries back-to-back -back years. Um, I think one was the elbow or shoulder, the other one was uh, the Achilles. So we've seen the pictures. The guy looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Looks like he could start in a playoff game tomorrow. But uh, the injuries do have me a bit worried, especially back-to-back uh, -back seasons there. But uh, let's hope for the best and uh, have him back strong next season. So we, we look at the rest of, of who we have. Personally, uh, Herbig to me is, is not a starter. Uh, Matt Pryor is not a starter. Brett Toth is not a starter. And uh, Apeda is not a starter. 
And yet all these guys saw significant times this year because of the injuries. Yes, they're good backups and it's, it's good that they did see the field this year uh, to get that experience. But with a uh, hashed out starting five, these guys should not see the field. Um, how, how do you guys feel about that? Is there anyone that uh, you thought performed better than uh, I'm letting on? I, I think you might've touched on him. I, I was impressed with what I saw in Jack Driscoll and some, uh, some of his play. I know he struggled a little bit. Um, I remember hearing that he had guard versatility uh, when he came out. People said he was built a little bit more like a guard, although I think his first action was against Washington in the first game. And I thought he actually protected pretty well. Um, I think he's a guy who more likely is going to be a swing uh, guard, swing tackle, probably play that role, but probably would not be a starter. Definitely better than the, the Priors and the uh, Herbigs, but I, I'm not sure that I see him as being a starter. And, and I like what you said about Kelsey. I think that's a really important point. I noticed a lot of defenses lining their biggest guy up over center. And Kelsey made the Pro Bowl, I think a little bit off of his pedigree, but uh, he had some bad snaps this year. He had games where he was getting killed and then he had some games where he played well. So, you know, I, I think if it comes to that time, we all love Jason Kelsey. He is a legend in the city forever for everything he's done in his, both in his play and in, in every word he said of, of the uh, Super Bowl victory parade speech, but uh, he is a smaller guy. And I wonder about the prospect of, of bringing in somebody um, who could, who could fill that role, like sort of the captain of the offensive line. Yeah, Chris, uh, I, I think we get one more year out of Kelsey. I know he hinted at retirement. Was that last year or the year before? Um, I feel like each year um, it's always uh, in, in the back of his mind. He does have one more year. So I'm going to decide on the fact that he's going to play next year um, as his last year. Um, but aside from him, I mean, Pryor, Mylata, Herbig, and Toth, while not, you know, aside from that, so those other guys, their contracts run up next year as well. So I think you're going to have um, a depth issue and you have an injury history issue um, that you need to account for. And that's why I think it is enticing to, to look at an offensive lineman. Matt, as you said, we seem assured at the tackle position, but, you know, uh, Lane Johnson's ankle collapsed this year. <laughs> like um, he is a beast and an animal and he's go always going to go out there, but I, he's breaking down a little bit. Um, I don't think it's in so drastic a, a rush to replace him, but definitely something to, to keep in mind. Uh, we might not be as assured on the tackles as we might feel that we are. So um, yeah, I agree. And the interior seems like the immediate need, but I wouldn't necessarily sleep on the tackles as an assured long-term um, position. Yeah, all fair points. Mike? No, um, Andrew covered it. Yeah, I was just going to question Lane's durability um, the past couple seasons and whether he'll be able to continue on more as a question mark. Uh, yeah, so and I, I think Chris brought up a, a great point. I, I did miss uh, Jack Driscoll there. And he, he's serviceable at the tackle position. Uh, Andre Diller coming back. I don't see those two as interior linemen, though. I, I think they're true tackles. So that's where I think uh, the Eagles could excel by drafting Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Uh, he played tackle for them and Right off the bat, what, what I love about him is at his time at Northwestern, he was matched up against Chase Young in 2019. So he's seen Chase Young, and he'll see him again if the Eagles draft him. So as far as pro football focus goes, they had him as their top tackle in, um, in 2020 this year at the collegiate level, the guy's 6'4", 215. Um, and he has comparisons to uh, Jonah Williams, who was the Bengals uh, first 
overall pick in the 2019 draft at pick 11, who has played well for them at offensive tackle. But the knock on this guy is his length. Uh, he's, he's a little bit undersized and doesn't have the arm length as a traditional tackle. And that's why most projections have him moving to an interior line position. And I, and from what I'm seeing, his competitive toughness, his injury, he, he only missed one game in his collegiate career. Um, I, I think he would be the best fit for what the Eagles are looking for. A guy that could play tackle if need be, but I think may be a replacement for Jason Kelsey down the stretch. All right. I, I just have to ask, though, because we talked about the value of a player having just come off a season uh, and playing at the game speed, having the experience. Did Rashawn Slater opt out of 2020? I'm seeing a couple of things here that he opted out. He did. You are absolutely right. Um, so, you know, Matt, you had mentioned you want a guy who's been working. Um, obviously, you know, it's a different situation, different position, but, you know, the, the guy uh, opted out for, for this season. How does that bear on your decision of, of drafting him at six, given what we talked about with Jamar Chase? It does not. There's no bearing whatsoever. I think this is the guy that fits the Eagles. Yes, would have loved to have seen him play last season. Unfortunately, he opted out like many other players. Sure, I may be eating my words, but I think from an offensive line position, uh, this is the guy that we need, and I want to see him in Eagles green. Is he a left tackle, Matt, typically? He played left, but can be serviceable at right tackle as well. I think one of the strongest points Matt made was about his prior matchups with Chase Young and his ability to hold up against Chase Young, who I believe today or yesterday won defensive rookie of the year um, and just looks like he's going to be a, a really good player for a long time to come here. So uh, yeah, Slater sounds like a really interesting player. It does. Uh, it does make me a little nervous that he hasn't played in, in the 2020 season, but um, if, if you trust it, Matty, I trust your research. So Mike, what do you got? Yeah, and I really like uh, your analysis there, Matt, in terms of his body frame, his size. Um, little smaller, you said, maybe not quite as much reach. Uh, that was similar to what Jack Driscoll's pedigree was coming in last year. Um, this guy seems to be a little bit more high prospect than, than Jack Driscoll was, which makes him an excellent person. You know, you have um, top talent that you're able to transition to our bigger need, which as you've pointed out, may be guard or center. Um, I, I just, I guess I like the analysis and the forethought that, you know, he has played tackle, but this guy could be a very well transitioned person to replace, you know, our, our uh, depth, Andrew. Yeah. I mean, if you look at him compared to the other uh, linemen coming out in the draft, he is, um, pretty much by far the the smallest or you know at least in height um and it looks like in weight a little bit too so he's definitely the the guy that's going to be able to to transition from tackle to guard or um I, it seems a little ambitious to transfer him over to center but um you know who, who knows there he is actually six uh i'm looking at six three three oh five i think kelsey's six three and 295 or something so very similar in size and maybe that allows him you know to to get out there and we do a lot of pulling with the uh with the center so if he's if he's quick off the line then yeah i mean guard center would be great for him he's not going to be an nfl tackle right i mean we could definitely you know lock that in but he could be a very very interesting dynamic guard for as matt said our scheme on offensive line. He's like, he is the quintessential size of, of, of a Kelsey um, or a guard that we can use in movement. Yeah, one thing I see that I, I love about him is his football IQ. The article I'm reading says, it seems as though he knows what the defender is going to do before the snap. Playing at both sides of the line has given him a lot more knowledge about what players can do on either side and what moves they can attempt. So he, he's got some versatility there. 
and I, I think he would fit in a much needed role on the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. Yeah, this is definitely a compelling prospect. I, I don't know enough about the O-line uh, going into this draft to, to know uh, where, where it would be realistic for Slater to be picked. Is that sort of six spot? Is that, do you think that's about where he's projected to go? I know I've seen, um, can't remember his first name, but um, I believe his last name is Sewell or uh, Sewell is one of the guys that I've seen a lot who plays for Oregon, I think, um, as going in the top, you know, six, seven picks and, and a couple people have mocked him to the Eagles. But I, I don't know if, if you see Slater as being worthy of that pick, Matt. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Todd McShay put out his mock draft today, this morning, and he has uh, Sewell going as high as two to the Jets, skipping on a quarterback, staying with Darnold, and uh, solidifying the line up in New York. Uh, so, hey, it, Sewell is thought of as a, as a phenomenal player, and if he falls to six, yeah, uh, could be an option there. I don't know as much about him as I do Slater. Slater, I'm seeing going fifth to the Bengals, um, helping out Burrow uh, and that offensive line. So, and then I've seen uh, Slater as far as as mid first round pick. So it, it's interesting. I I think uh, some of the draft experts are still working out the numbers themselves because I, I'm seeing a lot of different things as to where he could go, but. And I, I do think that there is a lot more talent at six at other positions we could get. But if Howie is focused on the offensive line, I think Slater is a no-brainer at number six to the Eagles. And, you know, given the nature of where the Eagles have sort of been this season, um, the way that this has progressed, the sort of lack of identity that the team is showing, lack of leadership, front office issues, uh, coaching issues that I could see sort of a return to the Andy Reid mentality about drafting and building through the lines, et cetera. Um, I, I can't say I would be, it's not the most thrilling pick at six, uh, no lineman of any kind, but there is clearly a need there. And if nothing else, Andrew mentioned Lane Johnson's ankle, you know, collapse. So as they have other players filter in, you know, maybe they're not sure about, if Jack Driscoll is a tackle or a guard or uh, some of these other players, they need to really figure some of this out. And if drafting this guy at six sort of helps uh, solidify some of that and make, make for a season where we maybe have two different offensive lineups, uh, offensive line combinations, that is, as opposed to 13 or 14 or whatever it wound up being uh, so much the better. Cause I think some of the turmoil we saw um, from Carson Wentz for a play calling perspective, I think a lot of it had to do with that, um, musical chairs going on uh, on the offensive line. And there's only so much that one Pro Bowl veteran and, and Jason Kelsey can do. But as Andrew said, still under contract for a year. Let's hope that uh, that he can maintain. Uh, and and if, he, if he is going to be here um, and Slater is able to sort of watch him and, and learn under him, um, is that the ideal situation? I mean, if Kelsey is still here and the intention is for Slater to play either guard or center, um, is it worth using the sixth round or sorry, sorry, the sixth overall pick on him? I can't, I can't really disagree because of how much Kelsey contributes to the offense, especially when he has good pieces around him. Um, but I do blanch as a fan. I blanch at the idea of, of drafting a player with sixth overall uh, who maybe, maybe just on the bench. I'm not sure if anybody else has any comments on that, but maybe it's good that he can kind of study under, Kelsey, I guess I just prefer I could live a little better with a third round pick studying under Kelsey than a, than a first round pick at sixth overall. I want a player who's going to be out there and making an impact immediately. So I think if that winds up being the pick, I think we know Jason Kelsey is probably not um, probably not going to be playing football much longer. Yeah, Chris, as long as he's not a Danny Watkins, uh, I, I'm OK with uh, with them grabbing him at six. And I, I think on other podcasts, we will talk about other uh, positions that are probably a, a better fit or uh, more of a need for the Eagles right now. But if we're thinking from an offensive line standpoint, I think that's our guy. All right. 
All right, I like that. Um, how old is Slater? I think Danny Watkins was like 26 when the Eagles drafted him or some, something crazy like that. He, he was um, 42, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> he had a full-time job at a firehouse and was trying yeah. to moonlight as an NFL player. <laughs> Um, I have uh, Slater, I believe it is. Give me one sec, Chris. I'll pull that fact for you. Well, and and I think, you know, I, I've been thinking a little bit about what Matt said with regard to taking a year off in Jamar Chase's situation versus uh, an alignment situation. And given how many injuries we've seen this year, uh, maybe I would be a little more forgiving to that when it comes to O-line and, you know, getting rolled up on and all that other stuff that they go through um, that, that maybe he'd have a little less wear and tear having sat out this year. Yes, I, I agree. I'm not finding an age for him. Uh, I mean, he, he did start uh, 11 games as a junior, so he would have been a senior this year. So what's that put him at? 2022, around yeah. 22. Uh, right. He also uh, was named all Big Ten and did not allow a sack his junior year. Wow. So I think, uh, is anyone of the opinion that using – uh, a six overall on an offensive lineman is is not the move. It is not I, the I, move. It is not unless, the move. Unless it's and Matt, I, I hate to disagree with you, but unless it's uh, Sewell, because I think if he falls to that spot, just the way he's being projected, um, it seems like that's a talent you might not be able to pass up on. Well, and I think part of what makes this so complicated is we're not totally sure what we have in the current Eagles O-line. We, we feel good about Brandon Brooks. We hope we feel good about um, Lane Johnson. We hope that Jason Kelsey comes back because he has another year, but I could see them working something out. Um, we, we're not sure about left guard. We know Sam Allo has played there. Left, I'm sorry, left tackle. You got Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard. They spent a, a first round pick on. So part of the reason this is an unclear picture uh, is that we don't really know what we already have. So I think that doesn't make anything any easier for us as fans, uh, especially to stomach, um, you know, having to to sit that first night of the draft and watch uh, an O lineman taken there. But who knows? A lot can change between now and then, and and it's good to know that a player like Slater is out there, who sounds like has some versatility and has shown up in big matchups. Uh, against players like Chase Young. So uh, I think we've sort of arrived at a point tonight where we said we'd be okay uh, with them spending uh, the six, uh, six overall pick on, on a wide receiver, uh, but that we're not quite sure about the O-line, mostly because we don't know what the Eagles currently have in their O-line. Matt. Yeah, I agree with that, uh, Chris. And to Mike's point, yeah, uh, Sewell is a talent. He was the best offensive lineman in 2019, opted out of 2020, but won all major offensive lineman awards. So he may be a steal at six. Let's not forget, though, this is a very deep offensive line draft. And just to reiterate the fact that uh, Eagles may not have an uh, Eagles most likely don't have to jump up and grab an offensive lineman at six because there will be talent later in the draft. Yeah. And, and moving forward, we're, we're going to be talking about some other positions. Andrew and Mike were good enough to uh, research uh, some defensive positions that the Eagles could target um, with the sixth overall pick, but um, we're in a position now where we're sort of waiting and seeing now there's a lot to still be figured out. And um, I think, when it comes to the draft, Mike mentioned this earlier. I don't know if he was intentionally quoting Howie Roseman, but Howie Roseman basically said the same thing you did. We have to hit on this uh, sixth pick. And to me, that have to makes it seem like the player will be immediately making an impact. Um, and I think well, his job's on the line, but I, I mean more so I, I want to make sure we get the right guy and we don't let him fall to one of our, uh, you know, somebody else in the NFC East. Yeah. I don't, I don't really want like an asterisk type player. I feel like how he has this thing where he drafts a player and he's like, you know, yeah, they got this and this, but, and there's a little asterisk and I don't want that. I want somebody who's a clear winner. Uh, and I think that's what all Eagles fans are, are really looking for is somebody who can make that impact uh, right away. And that we feel good about the night of the draft and the first time that we watch them play. 
And it's, it's only been a few players that we've had that experience with. The last one would probably be Carson Wentz. Um, I just want to uh, also, you know, mention that Andrew uh, and Mike, the positions that they looked at were uh, linebacker. Andrew looked at linebacker and I believe some D linemen and Mike had researched. Uh, we brought up in an earlier podcast, a couple of uh, corners, but he looked up uh, one other for a future episode. So we'll be touching on some other positions. The Eagles could target at six overall in this draft. And we soldier on as Eagles fans. This was a really difficult season, but let's hope in the off season, we see some change. It seems like Doug's going to be back. It seems like Howie's going to be back. And in another episode, we'll talk about what changes need to happen within that structure uh, for any progress or success in the future. So fellas, uh, nice job tonight, Matt. Good job on your research. And um, yeah, looking forward to getting together again and talking about some defensive players. Go birds. Yeah. Good Go job, birds. Matt and Chris. I can't, Go Birds, I can't wait to convince you boys that we're drafting a linebacker at number six. <laughs> I got to say, I, that sounds really awesome. <laughs> it, it does. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that sort of shake up to, oh, the Eagles would never do this. Maybe how he does that. You know, maybe that's maybe that's the thing he's looking at. I'll say that one of the players, Andrew, looked at Michael Parsons. Just when I said his name at the beginning of the podcast, we were all chirping about it. So uh, let's see. Let's see what what uh, the future holds. And obviously a lot can change certainly between now and then uh, with regard to the prospects themselves. And we hope everybody, you know, stays healthy and everything, but in these times, nothing's for certain. So um, yeah, we look forward to the next podcast. We'll talk some defensive players that the Eagles could look to draft with six.